Hi, it's Leon Dolan, and my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical, is out now and available everywhere. People Magazine chose it as an April pick of the month, one of the best this week, a hopeful take on commitment, they said, and an innovative story about marriage. Mmm, sounds juicy. The Marriage Sabbatical, out now, available everywhere. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leon. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters to go. You are listening to Satellite Sisters. I'm Leanne Dolan here in Pasadena, California, and I want to welcome you to a very special episode of Satellite Sisters. This, in fact, is a rebroadcast of our live book event that we did on October 30th, 2015 at the Powerhouse Arena in Brooklyn to celebrate the launch of our new book, You're the Best, a Celebration of Friendship. The book is a collection of essays on the importance of female friendships in our lives. Some are funny, some are sweet, some are sad, some will make you cry, hopefully some will make you laugh, some will make you think. And it was a pleasure to be able to launch this book surrounded by family and friends and so many longtime Satellite Sisters listeners. What a fun evening we had, and I'm so glad that we can share it with you as a podcast. We wanted the book to really be a thank you note to our female friends for getting us up, getting us going, and getting us through. But the evening really turned into a thank you note to the Satellite Sisterhood, you people who have listened to us and supported us and cheered for us and written to us and laughed with us for years and years. It was a very meaningful event. We're so glad you were there. And if you weren't there, we're so glad you can hear it because we feel like it was really special. I'm on the broadcast. You're also going to hear Julie and Liz and Sheila, of course, talk about what inspires them, how we conceived of the book, and read a few pieces of their own. And we're also so pleased to welcome our nieces, daughters, and daughters-in-law who also contributed to the book. So on this podcast, you're going to hear our 15-year-old niece, Fiona Dolan, read a piece, as well as our uh, niece, Catherine Dolan Nordenson, read her piece on what they learned from their friends at various ages. Catherine's sister, Megan, makes an appearance, Megan Saparita, who gave a great wedding toast and so gives you a few tips. You're going to hear from Lauren Hinkson, Julie's daughter-in-law, about what it's like to make a new friend as a new mom in New York. And finally, we talked to Sheila's daughter, Ruthie Morantz, about her 20s and how your friendships really transition from college to your adult life and what that means, especially when things get tough. You're going to hear a whole bunch of stuff, but mainly we want you to hear this, what we've always wanted you to hear on Satellite Sisters, and that's the sound of friendship. We want to thank you for your support. We're glad we can bring you this. Thank you so much for being a part of this book, of this podcast, of everything we've done for the last 15 years. Really, you're the best. A special thanks to the whole team at Powerhouse Arena. They did a fantastic job producing this event, and we'd like to thank them very much. Up now, this is our event from Powerhouse Arena in Brooklyn, celebrating the launch of You're the Best, a celebration of friendship. Enjoy. All right. Good evening once again, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome and thanks so much for coming out to the Powerhouse Arena. How about a round of applause for our event tonight, the launch of You're the Best by the Satellite Sisters. Just a couple quick announcements before we get started. Um, I know a lot of you picked up your books already. Thank you for doing so. We have copies for sale at the register. We hope you all pick up one tonight. Uh, We are an independent bookstore, so every one of these sales helps us do great programming like this for you tonight. That's how it goes. Uh, We encourage you to take pictures. Um, We're on Facebook and Twitter and Tumblr and Pinterest and all those other kinds of different things where you can share pictures with people. Please share them with us at Powerhouse Arena. Um, So this program is going to feature a discussion, and it's going to be followed by a QA. and a so get your questions ready. And then we're going to do a book signing at the end, too, as well, okay? Uh, All right, a few words about the Satellite Sisters. Julie, Liz, Sheila, Monica, and Leanne Dolan created the Satellite Sisters first as a radio show and website in 2000, and then became podcast pioneers with a devoted national fan base. Uh, They are also the authors of the Satellite Sisters' Uncommon Sense, and Sister Leanne Dolan has written two best-selling novels, Elizabeth the First Wife and Helen of Pasadena. 
Together, they have won 13 Gracie Allen Awards for Excellence in Women's Media, including Talk Show of the Year, and have appeared on CBS Sunday Morning, and wrote a regular column in O Magazine. And if that's not enough, they're here tonight to share with you the rest. Come on up, ladies. We made it to Brooklyn. Yeah! Woo! Brooklyn! I'm Julie Dolan. I'm the oldest sister. And 15 years ago, we started at a radio station, WNYC, across the river. Never, never did we ever think we were going to make it to Brooklyn. Yeah! But here we are. The and big time. And it's so nice to be with you. So many of you, I think, are have that same same emotion tonight, that you made it to Brooklyn. <laughs> you have no idea how to get here, but you came. So thank you very much. And we've got, a, we hope, a fun evening for you tonight. We're, you know, all, we have four satellite sisters here. We are going to introduce our next gen. We're going to talk about this great book that we've written to give you some behind the scenes of, what, of how we put it together. And we're going to do a little Q&A. So all those questions, you've always wondered what... Tonight's the night. Okay, maybe answer. not all those questions. Yeah. No, no. Okay, okay not all Some of those questions. questions. Okay. But we're so happy to be here. Liz. Yeah, so I want to tell you a little bit about the concept of the book. And for us, it kind of boils down to this. Enough about us already. The, you know, we, our last book was exclusively about us. And, you know, when we see you in all kinds of places where we see you around the country, you know details about our lives that are really very intimate. And it's always funny when you mention things that even we have forgotten about. Yes. Uh, that either happened to us or that we wrote about. So this time we were really thinking about how to make the book more about what the Satellite Sisterhood means to us. Like, why did we start it in the first place? And what is it that we have really ever set out to do? And from the very beginning, we said, the sound of the show is the sound of friendship. That was our goal, was to capture that sound. I mean, we just so happened to be actual sisters, but there are many of you out there who are satellite sisters who are not actual sisters, and you totally got from the beginning that that's what we were setting out to do. So when we were trying to write this second book, which was not going to be about us, it was more going to be about this, uh, we decided the book really needed to be about friendship, that we should write more about that uh, and encourage you to, uh, to contribute to that. So it was Leanne, of course, being the professional writer on the team, who came up with the title. And as a marketer, I know that once you have a title, the rest of it is easy. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually in the Gelson's parking lot, uh, a very, very fine grocery store in California, and I texted Liz, I got it, you're the best. And that was it. That's where we do most of our meetings, in the grocery store. <laughs> and then on text. So that was basically the idea. And then we spent uh, some time alone writing. And then, as some of you know, who are close listeners to the podcast, we had a weekend, a writing weekend, uh, this past February at my place in Santa Monica. It also happened to be Leanne's 50th birthday. Thanks, Liz. <laughs> <laughs> But we celebrated that weekend by writing many parts of this book that were written collaboratively, got started or got finished on that weekend. So that's why we're here to give you You're the Best. All right, I'm up. Uh, I'm Sheila. And uh, when Leon first approached me about the idea of what friendship meant to me and what I was going to write about, I, I really, I have to say, my concept of friendship hasn't changed that much since I was 13. Uh, when I locked my best friends in my room for a teenage angst session. And that's really my idea of a good time. Uh, and the last birthday party I threw uh, was the exact same situation. I had three women there, and then I had a party crasher. Um, but really, the topics I'm really drawn to are coffee. Mary's here tonight. Mary feels my pain. I'm withdrawing from coffee right now. So all of my best friends are coffee drinkers. Uh, my brother Jim's like, you're withdrawing from coffee? <laughs> um, coffee drinkers, uh, celebrity stalkers, uh, proudly. And uh, my friends have to really listen to my ongoing almost finished uh, dating life uh, stories. Uh, I, I did actually see one super attractive man single in the audience tonight. <laughs> you know who you are. 
Okay, this okay. is sad because I wrote about my dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you think, when you start to think about what do you want to write about friendship, you don't, you don't want it to be like rules of friendship or just observations. You, you do really think about those moments uh, when you are really there for each other. So I tried to write about that in some of the essays that, that I have in the book. One in particular is about my future. And God knows where that is going to go. But the one thing I know about what the third third of my life is going to be about is that my friends will be heavily involved. And then one of my other pieces is, yes, actually about my dog, Ferris, who is fine. Many of you have already asked in line. He is excellent. Could not bring him here tonight. But, but the place where we're doing our Satellite Sisters meetup in Portland on the Tuesday night before Thanksgiving, Leon doesn't know this, I picked a dog-friendly place. <laughs> I think Ferris might be able to come. Okay. Anyway, back to you. Uh, but you can hear, you know, the, we sat around, and look at us. We're old, you know. Uh, we started to put down ideas, and it was like stories about aging, aging, aging. And finally, I'm like, you know, I just don't really think we should write Satellite Sisters, the menopause years. Like, no one wants that book. And I was reminded of the time we were offered a very fine sponsorship by um, a feminine care product. And uh, my sister Monica put it really succinctly. She said, I do not want to become the face of adult diapers. <laughs> and that's the way I felt about this book. A lot of stories about old people and their friends. So I was like, we got to get some new blood in here. And fortunately, we got some new blood. Yeah. Uh, we got a whole nother, you know, we've been calling them the next generation, but they're really their own generation. Wonderful set of daughters and daughters-in-law and nieces. And I was like, we got to rope those girls in. <laughs> and uh, I, sent a, I sent an email out like, should you choose to accept this mission, we would love you uh, to contribute to the book because we realized that we couldn't really remember what happened in our 20s and 30s, <laughs> and we wanted to write about those decades. And uh, very quickly, they all responded that they were in. And it's been a pleasure to work with them and just really, I think, broaden the whole picture of female friendship. It would not really be you're the best if it was just us writing about, you know, the grandma gap. Thanks, Liz. Uh, so, but it's a pleasure. So we would like to introduce uh, the next generation of Satellite Sisters, really their own generation of Satellite Sisters. So Julie, you're up, ma'am. Yeah, I have the, I get the distinct pleasure to introduce my daughter-in-law, my friend, who works during the day as a curator at the Guggenheim Museum for Modern and Contemporary Art. But at night, at night, she's a crafter, a wedding planner, uh, a floral designer, a hair braider, and she made the photo booth, booth here tonight. She's, she is the reason that I am Urban Nana. I came to New York last winter uh, because she is an extraordinary mother and a great wife to my son, my daughter-in-law, my friend, Lauren. All right, up next, I would love to introduce my goddaughter, Megan Dolan. She's excellent, and I'm going to take full credit for her, even though her parents are in the audience. Um, uh, she was raised in Westport, Connecticut, but had an exotic life where they lived in Brazil and Morocco. Um, she was educated at Harvard and St. John's Law, but really, uh, she's learned the most in her life from um, uh, Mariska Hargitay and Law and Order SUV. Uh, <laughs> And she never misses, she actually, as her sister told me this morning, she DVRs TMZ. What's wrong with them? Uh, Megan's been an assistant district attorney. Now she's a, she's a lawyer for somebody. Uh, it doesn't really matter, does it? No. Because what really matters is she married a tall guy. We're so happy to have some height in the gene pool. Greg Saparita, way to go, Greg. 6'3 over there. It's a good-looking man. And she has a beautiful new daughter, Mina, from Long Island, Megan Dolan Saparita. All right, I'm up next um, introducing my daughter, Ruthie. A lot of you know Ruthie. A lot of her friends are here tonight. And when I was thinking about Ruthie, um, I was thinking not only does she have hundreds of friends, but she's incredibly loyal to all of those friends. And I was flashing back on her 18th birthday when um, she had no, no plans um, at all. And two hours before the party, uh, on her flip phone, and I think her beeper at the time, um, 
she organized about 150 people to come to a loft in Soho. <laughs> and everybody showed up, and everybody showed up for Ruthie. So I'm really, really happy and overjoyed to be here this week in New York with my daughter, Ruthie. All right, I'm going to introduce my goddaughter, my niece, and Megan's little sister, Catherine Dolan. Please join us here, Catherine. Again, those of you who are listeners uh, to Satellite Sisters know that we had the wedding number one two summers ago in Westport, wedding number two last summer in, uh, in Chatham. Uh, so Catherine, the, I know from speaking to her husband last night that what is written in the book about her, that you love charades, that you're a good sport camping, and that you always have the loudest laugh in the room, that it was actually your husband who wrote that. I don't even know if it's true. <laughs> I do not even know if those things are true about you at all. Uh, <laughs> but... Like her big sister, um, Megan, she spent part of her youth growing up in Brazil and then in Morocco. You have a wide, wide view of the world. But I did have the opportunity to inspect your apartment in Clinton Hill last night, which is very revealing. As a, It always is, isn't it? And, uh, you know, as a newly married kind of honeymooner, there is a lot of the limited counter space is taken up with oversized wedding gifts they will not need for another 20 years. But in case you sent them a giant, like, bread box or guacamole stone, they are on display. <laughs> so the wedding gifts are taking up all the counter space, and the bicycles are taking up all the hall space. And that's what you need to know about Catherine Dolan Nordenson. <laughs> Okay, representing the Pacific Northwest, yeah. all the way from Bend, Oregon, yeah. we have Fiona Dolan. She is the daughter of my brother, Dick. She is a high school junior. Uh, she is not single, just letting you know, in case you have good son, attractive sons. She already has an adorable boyfriend. She writes for the school newspaper. She's on the lacrosse team. She would like to be a television correspondent when she grows up. And I will say this. Of all you millennials, who got back to me first on email every single time? From Bend, Oregon, Fiona Dolan. There's one more next gen that's not here tonight, and that is my daughter-in-law, Vera. Vera um, grew up in Kyrgyzstan, as many of you know who've listened to the, um, to the, the show. She was educated there and in London. Um, she now lives in Dallas, Texas with my oldest son and three beautiful children. She works as a management consultant from home, and she has one business meeting a year. And you know it's today, of course. <laughs> she's in Copenhagen tonight, uh, so she's very sorry that she can't be there. But in her place... I have Alice Smith, my granddaughter, <laughs> from Dallas, Texas. Alice, Alice is in third grade. She takes gymnastics. She's on the volleyball team. She's got quite a defensive player there. She loves art, and she's very happy to give you her autograph. She's been practicing. <laughs> Okay, now we're actually going to hear some of the readings from the book. Um, the first three uh, that are going to read are um, Megan, Lauren, and Ruth. We're going to talk a little bit about her piece. Um, you know, really, we were looking at sort of the scope of female friendship, and I wasn't kidding when I said I actually sat down to write some pieces about, you know, moving to a town and not knowing anybody when I first got married, and, and then I sat down to write some pieces about, like, not having any friends when I first had a baby, and I couldn't remember anything. Uh, so I was like, oh, you know, I think those would be great pieces for some of these next generation because your 20s and 30s, as you know, it's just a tremendous time of transition. And uh, for the young women that we have up here, they've been, they've been through a lot of things in their 20s and 30s. And their pieces are funny, they're smart, they're insightful, they'll make you laugh, they'll make you cry. And so it's really a pleasure. Megan um, is going to read first. She just knocked it out of the park at her sister Catherine's wedding toast. I mean, that's not easy. Come on. I know she won mock court at some fancy law school, but if you can kill with the wedding toast, you're in good shape for the rest of your life. So she wrote a wonderful piece about uh, tips for toast. <laughs> Megan? Thanks, Leah. Um, okay. 
there is nothing better than a great toast. You've heard at least one. Remember how it inspired laughs, tears, and all emotions in between? It made you feel like you were actually there that time at summer camp with the bride, even if you barely know those people? My personal history of toasting includes my best friend's wedding, my grandmother's recent significant birthday, and my sister Catherine's wedding. Three completely unique ladies worth toasting. Yes, a toast should be from the heart, and no, it shouldn't be too long, but you know that already. Thank you, wedding crashers. <laughs> Here's what I've learned in my short history of toasting. If you've got it, use it. My best friend's now husband is another good friend of mine, and I set them up via email years ago when they were both living in Miami for a short time. In my toast, I could actually say, let's start at the very beginning. In fact, I can take you back to that exact moment. And then I read the email that included an exchange between my girlfriend and I where she wrote, and he's cute, gold. <laughs> There's no shame in a good theme. This can be as simple or as complex as you like. Sports, adventure, love of others, kindness, misfits. If you think about it, any decent theme can be used to tie together your serious or your silly comments. Flattery will get you everywhere. <laughs> what woman, especially a bride on her wedding day, doesn't want to hear about how gorgeous, smart, funny, and selfless she is? Amen. So go for it. Make her day. <laughs> my toast at Catherine's wedding involved poking some fun at my little sister for her indecisive nature. I went with kindness as a theme and worked in Catherine's interesting nature of deciding, <laughs> a.k.a. kind. Good, right? Uh, feel free to steal it. But I mix the fun with feeling. Some people say that the way Catherine looked in her wedding dress rivaled the way the incomparable Pippa Middleton looked in that dress. They were right, but it's actually my sister who's incomparable. Despite a lifetime of indecision, she knew how to make the decisions that mattered at her wedding, her groom, and, of course, that incredible dress. Needless to say, everyone agreed. Publicly expressing to my little sister just how much I love and admire her was one of the great honors of my life. And it continues to warm my heart thinking back to that toast. In this era of emails and emojis, you don't often get the chance to tell your sister or your best friend or your grandmother how you feel out loud. So if you get the opportunity, raise your glass, raise your voice, and tell her how she's the best. Yay! Now, Lauren is an overachiever, so uh, I asked for like a, what, you know, one 500-word piece, and she turned in like 7,000 words and two pieces, and it was very hard to choose. I was on maternity leave. She was on maternity leave, which is even worse. <laughs> oh, my God. You're supposed to write like, get milk uh, on maternity leave. So she wrote a really beautiful piece about what it's like to be a new mother here in New York and really searching for her first uh, friends who are mothers, and it just really touched me. She's going to read some of that today. Thank you. So it's called Floating into Friendship. And just hold the mic up. I'll hold it up. Okay. She crossed into our lane. To the end, I will testify that she crossed into our lane. You see, in New York City public pools, there are no lane markers, only unofficial recognition of what may or may not be a straight line that you imagine between where you are swimming and where someone else is swimming. It's a gentleman agreement on boundaries, a rarity in this crowded, hot, and often smelly August city. The problem is, the other swimmer claimed that we had crossed into her lane. And she took it to the authorities. <laughs> the underpaid, sunburned, I don't care if you drown, don't you dare ask me to skim that hairball from the pool lifeguards. What this rather unpleasant woman didn't realize was that she was taking on two young women who were both eight months pregnant. <laughs> so when we saddled up to the side of the pool at the beckoning of the lifeguard, our ill-fitting maternity speedos said it all. This lady was going to lose the fight. <laughs> the thing about New York is there are a thousand chances every day to make friends or enemies in small moments. There are just so many people. And it happens. It happens and it's over. A stranger makes a choice to be your friend for a minute or two, and then they are gone, like that train you missed this morning on your way to work. The bus driver will count out an extra beat to let your swollen body catch up and hop on the cross town. 
Even though you shouldn't be running after a bus when you're 10 months pregnant, it's a moment of friendship. An older woman will give you a wink while you sit on a floor sample ottoman in an uptown department store, you know the one I'm talking about, to nurse your baby. Just that little bit of encouragement for your quiet defiance of that truly ugly $10,000 ottoman. It's a moment of friendship. But despite all these beautiful small acts of friendship, I still felt alone after my daughter was born. Eight million potential friends surrounded me. Okay, let's be real. Maybe two million of those people are friendship <laughs> material. <laughs> but eight million bodies bumping into one another. And I'm lonely in my Brooklyn apartment with this fresh life teaching me how to be in the world as a mother. I join the mommy groups that are divided by three-month intervals of your child's birth date. There are that many new mothers in Brooklyn, I promise you. <laughs> I join the Baby and Me yoga classes where you do more nursing, rocking, and dead-eyed staring than yoga. I even sat quietly at the playground when school let out with my newborn fast asleep in her stroller, just to be near other mothers. Here's the thing, though. I wasn't looking for mommy friends. What I wanted, what I so desperately yearned for, was someone to share in the awe. I found that person in the pool that day, my swimming buddy who helped me defend our lane. We are mothers now, and we are changed. What I've learned in these first few months with my daughter and from this blossoming friendship is that the people I'll rely on in this new life of motherhood won't necessarily be moms, but they will have to be the kind of friends who will always be ready to throw down at the public pool when someone crosses into your lane. Woo! Yeah, that's a beautiful piece. Thank you, Lauren. Now, um, Ruth, she doesn't want to read because uh, she's just a filmmaker. That's all. Sorry. She, yeah. She's not an actress. Take a step forward. Okay. Take a step forward. And then, um, but I, her piece is about the transition, the really tough transition in your 20s and 30s that you can make. And I want to ask you a couple of questions. So, Ruth, you, you, you just heard your mother. You had 8 million friends, apparently, at 18. But in your 20s, you, you wrote that your circle kind of got smaller and smaller. What, why? It dwindled down. Um, <laughs> Something you said? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think like the transition after moving, because I grew up in New York, so the transition moving back to New York after everyone has already attended college and then decides to move to Los Angeles um, or wherever, <laughs> um, you know, it, it sort of gets smaller and smaller. Um, and then if you go to grad school, it completely disappears. How so? Um, well, because you disappear. Okay. So you're gone for like three years. And um, after that, you have to kind of like ask your friends to uh, re-friend you. Um, but I found that like uh, versus my 18th birthday that my mother brought up, um, uh, which that, you know, um, the numbers get smaller, but the significance uh, gets uh, greater. And um, I was fortunate enough to go through a really hard time of losing my dad and have key people sort of step in and take the reins. So that was a really significant thing that I wrote about in the book because it, it was a moment where um, the friendships and what they meant to me sort of transformed. It's a beautiful piece. It's called When Something Hard Comes This Way. So I encourage you to read that at your leisure. Thank you. Thank you, girls. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Sheila's up next. All right. Uh, I just, speaking of swimming, um, I shared an Uber ride to the Prospect Park Y. I highly recommend the new pool there. Uh, just wanted to let you know. Uh, okay. Uh, okay, we are going to share now some lists, some lists that we learned, things that we learned in different stages of our lives. And I think the one thread that sort of holds all of these lists together is that um, we basically rely on our friends for absolutely everything. And um, that involves really uh, boys, men, uh, bunions, and men. Okay. Um, so we have Julie. And we have Fiona, and we have Catherine. So this is what I've, my friends have taught me at 15. You may not be into the same things as your friends, but that shouldn't change your friendship. It's okay to decline an invitation. 
Pick your friends over boys, never the other way around. Wear what you feel confident in. Putting on a cute outfit will always make you feel better. Go out and get some fresh air, even if you don't feel like it. Some people just aren't going to like you, even if you've never talked to them before. <laughs> Oftentimes, you only get one chance, so make it count. Don't push someone to do... To do wait, don't push someone to do something they aren't ready for. Don't push yourself to do something you aren't ready for. Know your own boundaries. Go out for the team, even if, afraid, if you're afraid you'll get cut. Stop spending so much money on food. Drink green tea. Eat a home-cooked meal. Sometimes you're going to cry and no one is going to care. Quite often, yours will be the shoulder someone is crying on, so get used to it. Maturing is a good thing. Don't leave your headphones at home. Don't be afraid to tell the truth. Don't be afraid to be confident. Stop lying to your parents. <laughs> Remember that they were teenagers once, too. Just because your dad went to Woodstock doesn't mean he's going to let you go to Coachella. <laughs> Focus on your grades and stop procrastinating on your homework. Don't be jealous of your brother if he's better at you at some things. Take more risks. How many likes you get on a photo doesn't matter. Stop being so negative. Form your own opinions. But don't be too trusting of people. Stick with your instincts. Follow through with your promises. Don't let the good ones go. Stop overthinking. Let yourself be happy. And blasting Taylor Swift in the car is always a good idea. <laughs> What I learned from my friends in my 20s. Graduating from college does not mean you have it all figured out. A good pair of boots is worth the money. Sleep actually matters. Manners actually matter. Start your 401k. <laughs> Don't show up to a party empty-handed. A good friend and a good roommate can be mutually exclusive. A 400-square-foot New York City apartment is gigantic when you're 22. A 400-square-foot New York City apartment is unlivable when you're 28. <laughs> Learning to say no is a necessary skill for your sanity. Self-respect is a necessary skill for your happiness. Basic cooking skills are a must. There is nothing quite like a home-cooked meal. Texting is not appropriate for all conversations. Music cures most things. Studying abroad is a unique type of freedom. You won't love all of your girlfriends, significant others, but it's not about you. Getting engaged is about so much more than the ring. Marriage doesn't make you boring. Only being boring does that. <laughs> you do not need a new dress for every friend's wedding. Never trust a man's age or height on Tinder. Road trips are the best. A phone call home to check in can make a big difference. Your parents are real people with real emotions. You are turning into your parents. <laughs> Remember that 400 square foot New York City apartment? You should have bought it when the market was bad. <laughs> What my friends have taught me at 60. Okay. Turning 60 is much better than turning 50. You're the youngest in a whole new category. Being a grandparent is even better than the hype. It's all about family and friends. You can't make new old friends. I'm never going to stop missing my late parents. I want to call my mother every day. Keep moving. Prayer is time well spent. Everybody has regrets. There's a tr tremendous satisfaction in making it this far. You need less stuff. Use your fine china for weekday suppers. It's finally time. Glucosamine, Retin-A, and a ceramide moisturizer. <laughs> a long marriage is an amazing thing. The correct response to adult children for any situation is, I know you'll make the right decision. 
It's very, very sweet when your children find their mates. Consider your daughter-in-laws your daughters. Up next, Machu Picchu, Taj Mahal, and tea with the queen, please. Don't skip annual physicals. Do skip gray and black. Wear more white and cream. You have to forgive. You have to forget. Save your shoulders, use smaller purses. And don't forget, call your satellite sisters. Wasn't that fun? We have all the decades in the book, but we just read three. Um, we're, getting to the, we're getting to the questions, but whenever we have something at Satellite Sisters where we say we need to bring it on home, uh, we let Liz do it. <laughs> so go for it, Lizzie. Bring it on home. Thanks for the big build, Lily. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, originally when we did the rundown for this show, I was going to do this, and then Leon was going to do a thing. And then tonight when we got here, she's like, no, I think we'll end with you. I, uh, I think that will be good. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit specifically about the people that are here who have been longtime listeners of Satellite Sisters. Because really, this book is just a flimsy excuse to meet you uh, and to say thank you. Because we have been through everything with you. We have shared so much of our lives with you. But you have done the same. So we feel like we may know you as well as you know us, which is really, really a nice thing. I mean, we have heard many of you share some of your most embarrassing mothering moments, right? Remember that contest that used to be an annual thing? It's an unlimited supply of those people, (laughs) most embarrassing mothering moments. Uh, But we also shared with you the passing of our mother and and you shared that your own uh, losses with us. And those are very, very deep connections we have. And then we've done, like, all kinds of other stuff together. They, there, lots of times we get email from you where someone will say, okay, I'm a little embarrassed to admit this, but I refer to you guys as my friends. <laughs> like, I'll be in conversation with people I actually know, and I will say to them, well, my friend Julie, she was telling me about Vladimir Putin the other day. And that your friends will look at you like, your friend Julie, okay? Or my friend Sheila, you know Sheila, she's one of the lab rats. Well, anyway, Sheila, she recommends a specific flavor of lean cuisine. So I say we go for it. And, and whenever someone, and you'd be surprised how many times people write that to us. And whenever you do, you always share that with us kind of sheepishly, like, Isn't that weird? I know it's weird, but I'm just telling you because you're my satellite sisters. And so we really wanted to tell you tonight, it's not weird. Uh, It's not weird. We we really feel the same way about you. Uh, That's why we get so excited to gather a big group of you together to tell you we feel the same way as you do. And just to tell you, you're the best. Thank you. She killed it, right? She's the best. That's why we let her wrap things up. We do have a few minutes for questions, and then we'll get over to some signing. Um, okay. I, what's that? No, hands are already going up. Oh, That's okay. Right. Mary? Mary, got to stand up and speak loudly. Oh, can we, we introduce can, yeah, sure. the brothers? Yes. Oh, this is the moment they've been waiting for, Mary. <laughs> oh, my God. 60, and brothers-in-law. Can 60 I say? years. Okay, right behind you, our brother Jim. There's my Woo! brother Jim. And our wonderful sister-in-law, Mary. Our wonderful sister-in-law, Mary. They are new grandparents to Mina. <laughs> oh, oldest still, oh, oldest oh, of oh, the eight kids. Oh, oh, yes. Okay. Okay, and now, right here, our brother Dick, and from <laughs> Bend, Oregon. Yeah. He's Fiona's father. Yeah. Did you need to say anything else, Dick? Okay. <laughs> you can speak to him after if you'd like. My Julie's husband. husband. My husband, Trem, is here. Yeah. Who for many years has really just been referred to as international man of mystery. <laughs> so now you know he really exists. He brought the pizza tonight, so he came. <laughs> took pictures. Yeah. All right. Alex Nordenson yes. is married yeah, yeah. to Catherine. Catherine. Like, 
We have uh, Jeremy Gibson, who's Ruthie's significant other. All right, Jeremy. Go Mets. And, uh, yeah, go Mets. And Greg, who's probably checking the scores right now. So where's <laughs> Greg Saparita? I think he may walk the baby Oh, he's outside, outside walking the baby. Okay. And so. Will and Josephine left. They, But they were here. My younger son and Josephine were here earlier. Yep. Good question, Mary. You can, Jimmy, you can pay her now. <laughs> and, and More questions? Yeah. Yes. We, the question is, do we ever argue? Yeah, of course. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We're not speaking right now. <laughs> <laughs> we we just don't throw clogs at each other anymore. Yeah. You know what? You know one thing? We have never argued about the show or the content of the show. I mean, we've argued about everything else, but I, I don't think we've ever had an argument like, oh, well, that doesn't go or that's not what we're all about. I mean... I, I don't think we ever have. No. Also, I think that um, one of the advantages to being in a big family is that when you have a problem with one person, you just talk behind their back with everyone else. <laughs> and it really helps. It works. Yeah. I mean, maybe your psychiatrist wouldn't recommend it. But, you know, in a large Irish Catholic family, it is proven to be the glue of the whole family. <laughs> yes. How did we all end up in California? Yeah. Um, well, Leon, you were the first. I was the first. I went to college. As usual, the baby is the trendsetter, you know. <laughs> uh, so I went to college in California and then married a guy in California, and he's never leaving. So uh, that's that's how I ended up there. And really, um, Sheila and Liz moved when we switched from public radio to ABC radio. Their headquarters were in Burbank. We uh, we taped at the Disney Channel studio. So some days Miley Cyrus would be in the studio next to us, and she always got like breakfast burritos, man. <laughs> and we didn't get anything. But um, so that's why when when we moved to ABC, the New York sisters moved to California. And then um, when my dad was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, there was we needed more family support. My mom did, so that's that's how we ended up in California. But there was a westward migration. Our brother Jim is the only one, and Mary are the only ones that live in Connecticut still, from where we grew up. But you know, holding down the fort there. Yeah, <laughs> yep. Westport, Connecticut. Traditionalists. Okay, so the question was the awesome podcast that she's listening to that we do twice a week, one hour twice a week. You know, we Why used don't to you be, guys move down this way? We used I'm, to be on. I was I'm conscious that these people can't see. Okay. So, okay. Uh, so thank you, Liz. All see, right. she's the boss. Uh, um, if you ever wonder who's really in charge. Uh, you know, we don't do a lot of editing on the podcast because we did 100 million hours of live radio. So that's the advantage we have now. We do just kind of go live to tape. So, um, you know, I mean, you'll, you'll hear sometimes, occasionally. Sheila, you'll hear Sheila. <laughs> you'll hear Sheila. Opening um, up her lunch. Making coffee. <laughs> the microwave is beeping at Sheila's. Yeah. <laughs> You've heard the coffee maker, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, but other than that, it's the advantage of doing so many years of live radio. So, and, you know, and then it's done. You know, that's the beauty. You don't have to go back and rethink it. You just... And as Leanne says, it's free. It's free, too. It's a free podcast for you. So your investment is tiny, 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 tiny. But it takes about after that. We do some editing, the music, uploading. It takes a couple of hours afterward. Yeah, we have a new mattress sponsor. Thank you. I don't know. Casper is the name of the company. Yes. That's all I remember. It's firm and something. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Yeah. And available for you to buy. Yes. <laughs> Using our hashtag, our code sisters. sisters. Yeah. <laughs> Are there any? We have a couple more questions, Mary. Well, this is our end for the satellite cousins who are also here Everybody today. Let's yeah. Come on down. Come on, cousins. Come, come on, on. Yeah. Celeste. Come on. We you have. hear us talk about them all the time over there. Now, our, up here. Our mom, sisters, cousins <laughs> in the back. Yes. Ruthie's here. Susan, Joe. We got, yeah, Sarah, Patty. You've heard us talk about the Morning Stars. That's our mom's twin. So Morning Stars, Morning Stars, Morning Stars. Kirshner. Kirshner's up there. My mom's oldest sister. sister. So I think that kind of says it all. Yeah. I don't know. They're still showing up, and we're going to have Thanksgiving (laughs) right after this night. So (laughs) we're just going to have some turkey sammies. But does anyone else want to? Yes, Yes. we do. We all miss Monica. Okay. Okay. 
We will tell her that to the camera. She'll see the video after yeah. this. They miss you, See, Monica, Monica they wanted you here. You okay. should have been here, Mon. No. No. We Just deliberately turn off the uh, <laughs> that app, whatever that is. Because then we'd see exactly what package is it that Sheila is opening that we're all hearing. No, we don't want to look at each other. I mean, that, it's pretty early in the morning when we do it. Just saying. Yeah, no, we actually found, again, it's sort of all the years of doing live radio, that seeing each other doesn't help at all. It, uh, it almost makes it worse because you... You, you know, it's not just verbal. Then you're looking at uh, facial expressions and stuff. <laughs> it's better not to know what we're feeling. Yeah, it's really <laughs> much better. You can't see us going, wrap it up. <laughs> Stop. This story is too long. But, uh, you know, for all the years we did live radio, I really um, – uh, Lee and Sheila and I would be in the same studio in uh, Burbank most of the time. Julie was living in Moscow, Russia, so she would be like on the phone in a closet in her apartment in Moscow, uh, and Monica would be in her second bedroom in Portland. She, that's where you would often hear the lawnmower, remember? Like Monica's yard care was a constant character in the show, too. So we could see each other, but we couldn't see those guys. Uh, but Sheila entertained us by writing little funny notes and then holding them up to us <laughs> while we were trying to have serious conversations. <laughs> the one with Clinton, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, well, I'll just. She, in the middle, Liz is like trying to interview Bill Clinton, and Sheila holds up a sign that says, "He's so hot." <laughs> Poor Liz, like talking about like AIDS in Africa. He's yeah. so hot. <laughs> Another question back there? Yeah. Yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> Any is, chance we'd be back on live anything? Yeah. Is anyone here from any radio <laughs> station? Because we would totally do it. It's so a call us. Yeah, we're, we're available. Yeah, we're available. call us. It's a journey. We're, we're ready to keep moving on. That's it's the way we're... super glamorous doing a podcast in your closet, <laughs> but I'm willing to give it up to be back in a real studio with an engineer. Yeah. So totally. We did. We loved doing radio. I would say that the, the few TV offers that, that came our way, you know, and some did, we never really jumped at those. Because they, they all required us, like, sitting on a couch together in the same room. And we kind of felt like that's not really our deal. Our deal is that we are different and we have different lives and we are in different places. Uh, so, you know, those we kind of turned down. If they had been really great offers, we might have yeah. considered them. <laughs> well, but, some of them, they really only wanted three sisters yeah, on the couch. That's right. <laughs> like, five's a lot of people on a couch. And then... That was a Sophie's Choice situation. We just <laughs> didn't really want to be in. So, right, And then we actually went through scripted development a couple of times. Uh, and, Leah, maybe you want to talk. We were, our, the rights to our story were uh, optioned by Lisa Kudrow at one point. And we spent a year working with Lisa, and that was really, really fun. We had meetings with Lisa. That was <laughs> yes. Fun. yes. And we would tell ourselves in the, in the car on the way over, like, don't say the word friends. Don't call her Phoebe. <laughs> don't call her Phoebe. Don't say the word friends. <laughs> and then they, they made us all, because um, we just didn't know. It seemed like a good idea. They made us all doctors and nurses. <laughs> and, like, our dad was a heart surgeon. And we were like, well, that sounds like a good idea. I guess, I don't know, being five sisters on five continents isn't, isn't a good enough story. Uh, and then they, they, they gave up on us. And then, um, and then ironically, after, uh, after um, ABC sold off the radio division, we lost our gig, ABC TV called me. And we did, I developed a show for them. And they're like, oh, come on in, Satellite Sisters. It's great. What a concept. Five sisters doing a radio show. It's great. Okay, what we need you to do, though, literally, this is true. It's got a lot of sisters in it. Um, <laughs> so could it be more about the men in the family? And, and, you know, radio is not really sexy. So could you be running a website? So I did develop that. It was a pretty, I was a funny show. It was a funny script. It yes, was, it was. I had to change our names, but it was about like five uh, Irish siblings all living in different boroughs in New York. And uh, so I pitched that all and it didn't get bought, but it was pretty funny. Yeah. Still funny. It, Sweeney Family Rules was the name <laughs> yes, of it. It was cute. It was good. Again, is anyone in television development? <laughs> so, but that didn't get sold. Oh, yeah, you are. <laughs> 
God. <laughs> so could close. you do it as a documentary and could you be sharks? <laughs> <laughs> yes, at this point, yes, we can. I can swim. Yeah. 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 I, I think we have time for one more question uh, up in the back there. Someone have you ever it? been? Uh, no. Um, I, I know my downstairs neighbor moved out in the middle of the night last week. <laughs> so I live in that kind of neighborhood. But I spend a lot of time alone. <laughs> so that's, I, that, yeah, that's why her piece in the book is about her best friend, Madonna. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes our best friends are fictional. <laughs> I mean, people have asked me, like, you're not going to talk about this on the podcast. Yes. I mean, mainly my children. Yeah, that's, they, you know, they want to be sure that that's, they're not I included. mean, you know, we don't, I, I don't think we try to go out, we're pretty ca- not careful about, I mean, we are careful about what we say. We think about what we say. If it, if it has a larger lesson or it's a funny story, you know, if we knew our neighbor was listening, I don't think we would say it. I was walking the dog one day and I saw a friend of mine, she's like, oh my God, I'm listening to you. Uh, so that was funny. That doesn't happen very much. But um, I haven't, we haven't been, I haven't been busted by too many things. I mean, since like my first, one of the first shows, I mentioned that my husband was colorblind. And because he's colorblind, <laughs> and uh, you know, he can't, he can't. He asked me what color his socks are. We were doing a segment on men's fashion. It just didn't seem like a reach or a breach of anything. And I guess a friend of his was listening from work, and so he came home. He's like, "Did you tell everyone I was colorblind?" I'm like, "Well, you're colorblind. I don't." <laughs> so I learned that was very early on. So um, yeah, the lesson we kind of learned early in radio is you can say whatever you want to say about yourself, but you can't say whatever you want to say about someone else. Yeah. Yeah. Which is probably a good rule for life. <laughs> and Liz, I think that wraps it oh, up. Okay. There yeah. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Indeed. Thanks very much, everybody, for coming out. Thanks very much to the Satellite Sisters. Uh, Once again, pick up a book. Don't forget to uh, get your photo taken in the photo book, and we'll move on to the signing now. Thanks very much, guys.